Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. What is up, everybody? It's yours truly, Connor, a.k.a. OK Fabe. And in this week's edition of the Random Wrestling Podcast, we're taking a look at the WWE Hell in the Cell pay-per-view that just ended. And I'm telling you right now, I'm about to tear this ending a new one. Let's get into it on this week's edition of the Random Wrestling Podcast. And now, OK Fabe presents the Random Wrestling Podcast. I have been waiting a long time to say these words, and I'm going to say them right here, right now, tonight. Your number one source for all pro wrestling talk with a comedy twist. Where in the hell did Randy Orton come from? He snapped the metal crutch in half. Hey, in the middle. Miz, how you doing, man? Yeah, good to see you. All right, yeah, you wear your little thing, you're looking like a blind nun. All right, hey, do me a favor, park the rock truck. What is going on, everybody? It's yours, Julie Conrad, K.O. Fabe, and welcome to episode 101 of the Random Wrestling Podcast, your source for latest news, rumors, gossip, headlines in the world of professional wrestling. You guys know me, I'm Conrad, K.O. Fabe. And I, I am at a loss for words of what we just witnessed. So we, it is October 6th, 2019. We just got concluded with the 2019 Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. A pay-per-view that had legitimately four matches announced uh, in the weeks building up to this pay-per-view. Between NXT going to full two hours on USA, competing head-to-head with AEW, and SmackDown getting a massive overhaul, it says debut on Fox this past Friday, Hell in a Cell seemed like an afterthought, and I have to tell you that the ending of Hell in a Cell featuring one of my favorite characters, and I'm sure yours is too, the Fiend Bray Wyatt challenging Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship, you kind of assumed that some sort of shenanigans were going to go down but never the type of these shenanigans. This was one of the most bullshit endings to a pay-per-view I have seen in quite a while. Now, for those of you who don't remember last year's Hell in a Cell, where we had Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns battling it out for the Universal Championship and Brock Lesnar interfered, a lot of people were pretty pissed off at that one, and unfortunately, this ending, I feel like, even supersedes that one. Considering they wrote themselves into a creative corner with Bray Wyatt being the most over thing right now in WWE and the fact that they didn't want Seth to lose the title, nor did they want The Fiend to possibly lose uh, uh, his first major match and keep his character intact, something had to give, and that's why all eyes were fixated on this main event, but what came at the end was nothing but sheer stupidity. Because once again, for the second year in a row, the Hell in a Cell match got thrown out because the referee thought things went too far. The Hell in a Cell match, which is supposed to be the penultimate match to any sort of major rivalry, where there is literally no disqualification, and the referee throws the match out. (laughs) 
I, I am at a loss for words how WWE can even call this a great... I don't even know... If, I don't know what to call this. I'm definitely not calling it a great ending. It's an, it's another example of them creatively re putting themselves into a corner. Unreal. I liked the way the Seth Rollins-Bray Wyatt match was fought under red lights. It gave it a unique look. Joe Compton, thank you for kicking things off with the donations with a 999 Super Chat donation. Appreciate that, Mr. Joe Compton. Let's put your name up on the board here. Uh, you know, the, the red lights was weird, but I definitely uh, I definitely grew on it over time. But what I didn't definitely grow on, and thank you again, Joe, for that awesome donation, was uh, I definitely did. I, I just, I, I, I hated the ending of this pay-per-view. This, 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 this pay-per-view ending was total bullshit. Uh, or the, the ending of the pay-per-view was absolute utter bullshit. The pay-per-view itself was was okay in general. Not okay for but okay. But for the love of God, the, the ending of this was just... You can tell this was written last minute. This this was just absolutely absurd. You guys know me. I'm Mr. Positivity. You guys know me that I try to keep and 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 look at the brighter things and 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 look at the positive things that took place in the pay-per-view. But that was absolutely atrocious. That was atrocious not only because of the way the match ended, it made everybody look stupid. It made Seth stupid for trying to do everything he could to take the fiend out, which is kind of, oh, I don't know, the point of the hell in the cell match. It made the ref look stupid for stopping the match when there's no fucking disqualification in the Hell in the Cell and then on top of that it made Bray look stupid because he laid possum there long enough for the ref to throw the match out thus making him not able to freaking get the Universal Championship and beat Seth which is the whole point oh my god this was I I am I am I, I am pissed I am very pissed and we're gonna talk about all that uh, and I just want to get that off my chest right then and there because, man alive, and trust me, we are going to go back to this. We are definitely going to go back to this at the end. But, of course, you guys, the routine, you guys are the whole shtick. I want to hear what you guys thought of Hell in the Cell. If you thought I was just – if you guys were just as mad as I, I can't even think straight. The ending of this pay-per-view really pissed me off. And, and again, I, I get it because they can't – they 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 booked themselves into a creative corner. They didn't want the the, the fiend to, to to lose. They didn't want Seth to lose. But just I mean, oh my God! Just I I I. Mm. But of course, let me know your thoughts, guys, in the comments section. Hit me up on Twitter at OKFabe. Hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. If you guys want to donate to the show, you heard Joe Compton earlier. Super Chat and Streamlabs links are both enabled if you guys want to donate to the show. Always helps appreciate it. Check out the Patreon page for some bonus goodies. And, of course, the Represent Store uh, for all your uh, merchandise. And after this show, uh, I I have to I, – I, wow. Um, I, I have to say this right now. After watching this show, I am super pumped. I'm going to AEW in Boston on Wednesday. I I, I have to just say that right here, right now. I am very excited that uh, I am I am going to AEW on Wednesday because I know that I won't get this type of ending. <sighs> so I just it I, I I don't understand. I don't I don't I don't I don't understand. What I, I want to know. I really want to know what in WWE's mind, what, what, who, I, I really want to know who thought it was a good idea to make this the main event. 
I, I really want to know whose idea this was to make this the, the, the ending of the of this pay-per-view. And listen, I, I get that Hell in a Cell was obviously not on their radar. I, you could clearly tell that that was not their priority, right? Again, four matches announced. The last time we had that many or that little matches announced going into a pay-per-view, we had December to Dismember in 2006. We had two matches announced for that, and we saw how well, well that went well. <sighs> but and I and I know that they they tried to do what they could to keep the fiend character intact to make Seth not lose the title. Bigger picture, I I understand why they needed to do it. I I, I understand that. And Daniel, by all means, feel free to explain it to me because I, I I know why they did what they did. I'm not saying that I I I'm not blinded by rage to the logic of why they needed to do this because they wanted to make sure that that this really actually happened where they got everything they ever wanted. It's like the freaking Brad Maddox crap again where like CM Punk needed to keep the title but they needed to make Ryback look lose and it just <sighs> If you wanted to make Seth and the Fiend have this bullshit ending, fine. I'm not against the bullshit ending. I'm not against the idea of a disqualification. I'm not the idea against the idea of of uh, Seth taking things too far and the referee throwing out the match. That's fine. It, that that works out in a lot of different ways. And and honestly, especially with the Fiend character, the the <laughs> the problem I have with it is that when you're doing it in the context of a match that is not supposed to not only not only supposed to have any rules with it but the idea that the pay-per-view or rather the match itself is supposed to be this hellacious structure where anything can happen and you're going to tell me that the referee is going to stop it because things went too far this is the same match where mankind was thrown off of hell the cell where rikishi was thrown off of hell in the cell the same match where they battled on top of the cage shane mcmahon dove off the thing we've seen a lot hellacious moments and i mean a lot of hellacious moments inside hell in the cell that while somewhat cool as it was yes even with the red lights i will defend those red lights but that is not the most hellacious thing they've ever done inside Hell in a Cell. But for the love of God, that's going to stop the match? Oh. I, I, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I know people were pissed off that Kofi Kingston lost the championship to Brock Lesnar in like seven seconds or whatever. I, 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 I. I understand people getting mad at that. I didn't even get that mad at that because at the same time, I understood the bigger picture, you know, and and, it, and and trust me, I'm a big Kofi fan. He's from Boston. He's from my neck of the woods, yo. Of course, I was rooting for him. One of the greatest WrestleMania wins in history, in my opinion, of him winning the championship. His title reign was so-so, but I still liked him as an individual and was happy for him. He had a decent run, folks. And the Brock Lesnar thing was a little BS, okay? He could have had a little bit of a longer match, could have had a little bit more back and forth. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I, I didn't get this heated because I understood the bigger pitch and I understood what Fox was really looking to do. But this, they're not catering to anyone here. They're not catering to Fox. They're not catering to USA Network. This was their own network. They decided 
on their own that Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins needed to be inside Hell in a Cell because the namesake of the pay-per-view, you could, truth be told, you could have had Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks, a match that's worthy of being inside Hell in a Cell, as to, to, oh, by the way, Bray Wyatt's going to attack Seth Rollins because they apparently have business in the past, have a couple of Firefly Funhouse vignettes, Bray attacks people at random lull, and that's it. And that is enough to sanction inside Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Why? Why did this rivalry need the Hell in a Cell match? It didn't. It didn't need it, and because of that, we got that be Again, if that ending happened in a normal match, I'd be like, wow, that was a badass ending right there. That was a pretty good idea. You know, it, it keeps everything together. Not bad. But when you do it inside a match that is known for all those hellacious moments I just mentioned, things that they've done 20 times worse inside the confines of that structure, and they stop it for things that really... He, they had crap piled on top of him wasn't even like that big a deal it was, it was just piles of stuff it was man the, the people chanting you know they, they were rightfully booming during the like the what the 20 curb stomps that seth did because they knew they knew what was coming they chanted restart the match i don't know why they didn't if bray Wyatt just popped up out of nowhere they've restarted matches before with less on the line why not do it? Why not lower that? Lower the cell. It's only it's only ten thirty right now. Lower the cell. Put the finish on. And for God's sakes, just like mm. normally, I I go off and I I try to do the show in order, but I can't. I'm way too heated about this. This was something I was looking forward to for for numerous reasons because and everybody was worried about this and I and rightfully so because everyone thought that the fiend was going to get screwed over and in essence he really did. Instead, WWE does a half-assed ending to a pay-per-view to a match that should have a clear-cut winner. This is the culmination of a rivalry. This is the culmination of a feud. They took the steel cage match which was, in essence, a uh, the, the blow-off to a major long rivalry, they can turn into a hell in the cell, something even more devious. That was not the culmination or penultimate thing of a rivalry or feud. This was a half-ass attempt to cash in on a pay-per-view namesake and another half-ass attempt to, make, to, to, to advertise and try to capitalize on the momentum of arguably the one thing that is the most over right now on Raw, which is The Fiend. Unreal. People were chanting AEW, restart this match, and just, I'm, I'm so livid. So mad. Unbelievable. That they would... I... Mmm. 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 Okay, I think my Minus review is done. five stars! My voice is gone. Seriously. Thanks to that awful ending. Screw this PPV. Nature Girl. Regina, thank you for the $5... Super chat and man, the minus five stars that could not be more accurate. Thank you so much for the five dollar donation. I mean, just uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! What, what? And the worst part is, like, what do you, what do you, what do you do here? Where do you go from here? Okay, sure, they're gonna feud into survive. Let, let's let's assume. 
Let's assume they're going to go into Survivor Series, right? Let's assume that. They assume they're going to take this into Survivor what, what, what are they going to do? Buried alive? Last man standing? It's almost like they'd be going backwards if they did anything else. This, this was... This is one of the worst endings to a match and to a pay-per-view considering the build or lack thereof going into it I have seen in a long time. This is BS on a total different level. They have Fans have every right to be pissed off. Fans have every right to be mad. I feel bad for the people who paid money to go see that. The pay-per-view wasn't even selling that well, well with tickets. And yes, the Buried Alive match, I see you guys saying this in the chat, the Buried Alive match is probably the only other direction they can go with this because anything else, anything else would be a step backwards. Hell in the Cell used to mean something. And Hell in the Cell was a pretty monumental deal. Hell, cage matches used to be a big deal. When you did a cage match in wrestling, it took Hell in the Cell matches and, and this just flushed it down the toilet. Which sucks because I actually enjoyed the women's one. The Becky versus Sasha match that we had earlier was actually really solid. It wasn't the greatest Hell in the Cell. It wasn't anything, you know, superb. But it was a very solid opener and I enjoyed the two of them. They had a bitter rivalry. Sasha coming back. The, 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 the crazy ending that we had of Night of Champions. Or Clash of Champions, whatever you want to call it. Um... Everything, that that made sense. I was surprised that Becky retained, but you know what? It was still, it flowed well, and it was pretty, pretty fine. But this, what was this? This was a lazy creative out, is what it was. Okay, I think I'm done ranting for right now. <laughs> I mean, wow, I've, 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 I have not been like, I've not been that pissed in a while. <laughs> I have not been that pissed in a while. So let's give some love to the chat real quick. Let's stop the hate for a second. And let's give some love to the chat real fast because you guys are awesome. We got Jurgen, of course, the man himself, Vintage Dream. Uh, Jurgen, there's no hope with WWE. They screwed over Bray Wyatt and they screwed over Sasha Banks. Banks still has hope. If they if they move her to SmackDown, there's still hope for, for Banks. Um, Vikes, while pay-per-view ended in booze raining down, I'm, dude, I'm telling you. Yowie wowie, this is going to kill the audience. Venom Twins, that's a bull. It was. It was definitely bull. Um, uh, they did it on Friday and Sunday. WWE hates its fans. WWE can go to hell. So it's Elias. We got Sean Gordon also with the, uh, in the chat. There we go. Olay, Samuel A. Demon Diva. Love me some Demon Diva. Go give her some love over on her channel with reactions and whatnot. It is Russo back, bro. Uh, Beastie. Yes, Beastie, of course. Um, would have enjoyed it more if they restarted the match. Everyone would. Price, they found a way to F up the Fiend really fast, didn't they? A no-DQ match format ends in a DQ. Fiend doesn't move, then immediately gets up and attacks Seth. That's the problem, is that it made everybody look stupid. Seth looks stupid because he tried to do everything he could to beat the Fiend down and was punished for it, which I still don't understand. Uh, that the referee's stupid for calling the ending of a D calling a DQ of a match that had no DQ, and then Bray's stupid for staying down there and waiting to be uh, waiting to pop up. Uh, ultimately throwing the match out. Like, I mean, I, um, cancel all Hell in the Cell pay-per-views. Seriously, Demon Diva, just make them like, a, bring, f drop Hell in the Cell, bring me back Halloween Havoc. Is that so hard? Is that so hard, WWE? 
So Strowman was going to come in, says Keith Rancy. I mean, I thought that I heard somebody said they saw somebody moving underneath the ring. I'm ready for New Japan, says Jackson. Um, Danny Price, no, no shit. The match where Taker threw fully off the cage and kept going. Just is that the only way they could figure it out to keep it on Seth? They killed the Fiend. Yeah, I mean, really, you don't sacrifice a pay per view match for a story like this. Stupid. If and, and here's the thing I need to stress, and I said this twice already, but I want to stress this again. If this was not a Hell in a Cell match. If this was a normal wrestling match like they did at SummerSlam with The Fiend versus Finn Balor, I would have loved it. I would have loved the ending because it, it did exactly what it needed to do. It protected both men. It made Seth, you know, it had Seth question like how far would he go where he almost threw the match out. And it made The Fiend still look like this impeccable monster. But when you do it inside the confines of a match where they're supposed to be limited to no rules, it just makes everyone look dumb in the process. Uh, they could have had Strowman come in for next pay-per-view, that screwy finish. Um, yeah, Twitter is probably blowing up, right? I haven't even looked at Twitter again, and I'm sure that everyone and their mother is just, uh, is just, uh, yeah, I mean, just unreal. Yeah, and you guys probably saw my tweet with, with that gif of just, like, freaking out. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope there's not, uh, uh, yeah, even even my there's a friend of mine who does this uh, con man one six seven. He's just like me. He starts to stay positive, and he just tweeted out, um, "I've never in my life did a thing with the, this mad at wrestling. Your whole live crowd was telling you what they wanted, but you can just I, yeah, it's it's just every everyone's mad right now. Everyone is not happy. Um, oh, here we go. Hold on, there's some booze. This is at the crowd. after the pay-per-view went off the air folks rightfully so rightfully so Zaya Brown WWE fans lost uh, Michael Mugner we lost so many fans tonight or WWE did uh, wasn't okay Becky and Sasha was the only good thing about this card proper build up the rest was filler and shitty ending Tanya I mean Demon Diva hit it on the nail on the head I was fine with the red lights but that ending was garbage complete dumpster fire your babyface champ got booed the whole crowd chanted BS and they chanted AEW I mean just how does a match where there can't be an ending that isn't pinfall or submission end like that? Because it just is. Enjoy, bro. Literally the worst ending ever. Amen. I'm, yeah, I'm trying not to explode, man. It's just, you know, Steven showing him some love. We got Brandon Brown, AEW Wednesday. I will be there, folks. I will be at the AEW show in Boston, which I'm really excited for. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, Danny Price. Vince thought Seth going dark would get babyface sympathy for Bray, which he kind of already had, even though he was an anti-hero. With that finish, Vince kill, lit it all on fire. I mean, he burned it down, is what he did. Um, driving people to competition. Donna could hardly uh, seen the stupid pay-per-view, the network coming. Uh, yeah, I heard that too. A lot of people were having network issues with everything going off. Red Nigma 23, I feel like jerking. I don't, I don't know how to feel. I mean, I'm just, I just woof. This, this whole this whole show. I mean, good God. Uh, Sarah, what's going on, Sarah? We got Donna. I'm so mad I, I can spit nails. I mean, seriously. Uh, Misery Fighter 84. The crowd was chanting, we want refund. I mean, I would demand a f and refund. Seriously. Um, we got here. The result is due to cynical fans. Fans expect so much you're conflicted knowing how the business works. I mean, DJ Rand, I completely understand that one. I mean, it, it is... Um, but they they wrote themselves into a corner on this one. They didn't need to put the they they didn't need to put the fiend and Seth in that match. They didn't need to have the fiend fight for the universal title so quickly. They didn't have them. They didn't need to have that match in a Hell in a Cell. They could have had that match normally. Give the women the main event. Give Sasha and Becky the main event, 
and have the Fiend and Seth just fight in a normal match. Like I said, if that match did not, if that ending took place in a normal match, I'd be praising it up and down because it was a smart decision to make. It was a smart move. But when you do it in a match that's supposed to have no rules, it just completely undermines either the wrestlers, the importance of the match itself, or both. Just absolutely ridiculous. Um, Ivan just said, I'm so effing pissed. Um, it, it is just crazy. No shit, the crowd was dead after Brian hugged Reigns, and the only thing they had left forward to was the main event, which imploded. Um, a lot of people think it might be a, a House of Horrors match that might take place, which I, I could definitely see them doing that. Um, Daniel Price, then WWE should distance themselves from fans. When people found out how things worked, everyone became a critic. I, I mean, there is some truth to that, but at the same time, like, you know, actually, Price actually just said it himself. WWE exposed it, not us. They were the ones that came out and actually said, you know, how it's going to work. But I think that's really a moot point. I think it's more the lines of WWE didn't know what to do. They wanted to capitalize on the popularity of, again, the one good thing they've got going on Raw right now, which is The Fiend. And and they shot themselves in the foot and they realized, oh, shit, we're in a, we're in a bit of a creative slump here. Like we're in some we're in some trouble. And if we don't fix this some way, somehow, then we're we're you know, we need to Seth needs to keep the belt. But we need to make The Fiend look good it's just um oh my god this pay-per-view is exhausting like i don't even want to finish doing the review i don't even want to finish doing the review but that being said i have to hop off for just one second so hold on tight guys i'll be right back stick around all right guys we're back sorry about that i had to take the air of the little one but uh this pay-per-view whoo i think i'm starting to get a little bit of headache just absolutely getting furious with that uh furious with that ending but thank you so much for sticking around guys let's blow through the rest of this pay-per-view a pay-per-view that realistically, aside from the ending of this, was not half bad. I think that if we take away the uh, the ending of the pay-per-view, the lack of build is definitely what hurt this thing. And we, we knew that going into it, you know? But, you know, with, with the way WWE has built pay-per-views, or sometimes lack thereof, sometimes they can overcome that. And I've noticed that, and we've said this before in numerous reviews in the past, that... Sometimes when WWE does not put a whole lot of effort into building the pay-per-view up, it could um, work in their favor because we don't know what to expect. It could end up building up into something better, um, and then the endings could just surprise us. Um, and it looks like uh, this was sort of the case. I didn't feel like the pay-per-view was, was half bad. It's just that, well, you know, it's hard to get invested into something that freaking you don't put a lot of effort into it and i've seen a lot of people say the phrase well if we doesn't care why should we and it's very very similar we got monstar factory wrestling also joining us in the chat what's going on monstar <laughs> um and unfortunately my little one is still gonna get a little bit crazy so this pay-per-view review is probably gonna be a little on the shorter side um as i'll probably have to hop off a couple of times here and there but uh, so when it came to the announcement of some of the matches, I did see Lacey Evans versus Natalia first, which wasn't too, too bad, but, um, the ending was kind of interesting, especially considering that it wasn't the ultimate culmination. We saw Lacey Evans do this very impressive springboard moonsault off of the top turnbuckle. There was a no, there was a miss. There was no connection. And ultimately Natalia was able to slide in, get the sharpshooter in and get the victory via submission. And of course, afterwards, Natalia decked Lacey Evans with her own, uh, little right, or I should say a little right hand with a large right hand, uh, to be able to knock out Lacey Evans. And apparently that's not going to end there because tomorrow night on raw, we're going to see a last women's standing match between the two of them, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. I was kind of getting a little bit um 
blah with the whole Lacey Evans Natalia thing, but the match with Last Woman Standing could be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how they pull that off uh, tomorrow night on Raw. It should be interesting. Uh, as I mentioned before, the Hell in the Cell had two Hell in the Cell matches. One that we're not going to talk about much more, but the other one was Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks. Now, I had a lot of mixed feelings going into this particular one because with the draft coming up, that was kind of looming in the back of my mind for majority of this pay-per-view. I figured, okay, we're going to probably have some more title matches come up, which we did. We found out the, uh, the women's tag team titles were on the line also, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Obviously, the SmackDown women's and then the Universal no WWE title being defended because, hey, Brock Lesnar's not there. So um, with uh, Becky versus Sasha... I really appreciated that one a lot. In fact, I, I'll probably go on record and say it was probably one of the better women's Hell in the Cell matches that we've seen um, out of all of them. And I think there's only been, I believe there's only been the three or four of them. And I think that out of all the three or four of them, uh, this one was so far my favorite. I think that um, the things that I liked was that it wasn't stale. They tried to be very creative with some of their ideas, even though some of them just didn't really make a whole heck of a lot of sense. I did like the idea of utilizing the chairs and the kendo sticks in creative ways with, with at one point Sasha being propped up in the corner with, uh, with kendo sticks and being sat up while Becky like dove off and, and actually, um, hit her, uh, you know, with a drop kick. I thought that was clever having Sasha prop up a chair and then having Becky thrown into it earlier. The idea of them brawling before the cell actually completely lowered and they try to raise the cage um was just um it was weird it was very strange to see that i mean i did love some of the creative uses like they i saw that obviously sasha was trying to attack becky's arm to obviously work on the disarmor uh becky stealing the chain at the end was pretty fun i, I or towards the middle of the match i thought that was really clever there was little things they did creatively to kind of make things a little bit different versus your typical hell in a cell match i mean granted you know Hell in a Cell matches usually involve weapons anyway, uh, but I did appreciate the effort. And I think that, again, with this being one of the only matches that really had a, a decent amount of build going into it, it made me appreciate it a little bit more. But I'll tell you, I swore up and down that I thought that um, Becky was going to lose to Sasha Banks for two reasons. One, the draft coming up. I figured Becky would shift gears over to SmackDown more frequently uh, just because at least that's my 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 guess and i thought that sasha would be a pretty dominant heel champion now that she's coming back and the idea for me would be to keep bailey and sasha as far away from each other um as possible in order to eventually bring them back together for maybe a wrestlemania match of some kind but it was not meant to be a uh, pretty interesting finish with of course becky doing a um uh, exploder suplex off of the top turnbuckle through a pile of chairs and then locking on that disarmor to get the victory for becky lynch uh, honestly probably my favorite match of the entire evening uh, if I had to really pick one, um, the uh, the other one actually was the next matchup, which was the tag team match, which was then deemed a tornado tag team match as Harper and Rowan set to face off against Brian and Roman Reigns. This um, truth be told, this match blew me away. I was blown away by how good this match was. I figured that with Brian and Roman and Harper and Rowan, you say that three times fast. It's a freaking tongue, tongue twister in and of itself. Um, was going to be decent. You know, we've seen the matches with Rowan and Roman and 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 Harper getting involved and Brian a little bit here. And, and you know, the mixture of those four guys in, in di different forms has been fun. You know, Bludgeon Brothers were killing it when they were tag team champions, and they were one of my, you know, favorite tag teams. I thought they were doing great. I loved them when they were part of the Wyatt family. And I figured that involving those four talent would be fun, but I did not expect how good this match was going to be. And I, I honestly say... 
you know, looking back and now thinking about it while we're talking about it, this was my favorite match of the night. This tag team match was my favorite match in the entire pay-per-view. Uh, they pulled out a lot of stops, which they needed to. And, and you know, that's one of the things that I was kind of concerned about with this whole rivalry is, you know, Rowan basically tried to kill Roman Reigns. Like, no matter, <laughs> no matter what way you try to slice it, like, that's kind of what happened. It was Roman, like, Rowan was trying to kill Roman Reigns. <laughs> You know, like trying to run him over, trying to like throw stuff on top of him. I mean, he was, you're looking at manslaughter right now, you know, and I felt like there wasn't enough to escalate things. And you had these matches here and there, and it just, it felt like, okay, normal match. It just seemed weird. Almost the polar opposite effect of the later Hell in a Cell match where they went too far too fast. Whereas I felt this rivalry was kind of. They weren't really kind of making things like, okay, I'm going to challenge you to a match after I try to kill you. It's like, ah, it's a little, it's a little much, but, but doing it against these guys and doing all four of them in the tornado tag created the chaos environment. It felt more like a fatal four way that really wasn't a fatal four way. It was nonstop craziness, great in ring athleticism, fantastic psychology with Rowan uh, and Harper trying to decimate as much as they could. Brian being kind of the weaker guy, um, them almost killing uh, Daniel Bryan, although I love the counter they did with Harper, and then Rowan getting speared through the announce table. Coming back, Bryan coming back and doing a great combination move with Roman Reigns. Great tag team matchup. Loved everything about it. I honestly suggest you guys go back and watch that one if you're going to watch anything from this pay-per-view. So make sure you definitely check that one out. But unfortunately, I must depart for one brief moment, so make sure you guys stick around as we talk about the rest of Hell in a Cell. Don't go anywhere. On Hell in the Cell 2019 was another match that was made very last minute. It was Mustafa Ali against the Viper Randy Orton. Now, obviously, Ali has not had a great luck, uh, you know, string of luck lately, and you can't say neither has Randy Orton with him losing both of his attempts at capturing the WWE Championship the last couple of months. And uh, not bad. It was not a bad matchup. Of course, they're going to play the power game of Orton being bigger and physically more superior, and Ali doing a lot of the crazier moves to kind of, you know, oversell Orton's abilities. But every time you get a cruiserweight and a, and a, you know, a heavyweight, I guess you could say, in the ring against each other, I'm a happy guy because you're having a clash of styles and you know you're going to see some crazy stuff. Now, the match itself wasn't anything too out of the ordinary. I mean, we did see a couple of crazy moves, but more specifically, the ending was my favorite. Our, Randy Orton goes for an RKO and Mustafa Ali does a counter of it that I've never seen before where basically he follows Orton down with the RKO but then braces his hands down almost doing like a handstand or a push-up and then Orton turns around there's some more countering but it doesn't really matter because Orton hits a second RKO and gets the victory um, but at the end though we do see Orton almost showing a sign of respect to him uh, pointing out to him and kind of like doing like the heart pound chest thing showing a sign of respect for Mustafa Ali it was not anything to write home about I think it was a very okay match it was anything too crazy but Ali showing showcasing some of his abilities against a much larger competitor both you know physically and in star power as Randy Orton it only mean good things for Mr. Uh, Mr. Mustafa Ali, Mr. Lightbright himself from 205 Live. So maybe we'll see him more of a push later. I th- maybe thought we were going to see him against Nakamura. Nothing crazy about this match, but nothing, you know, horrific either. But definitely a look-see, especially that finish for sure. 
Next up, we see Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defending the WWE Women's Tag Team titles against the Kabuki Warriors, of course, Asuka and Kairi Sane. I don't know where this one came from because we have not seen any of the Kabuki Warriors uh, in recent memory, at least to my knowledge. Maybe you guys can, of course, let me know otherwise. Uh, this matchup was very similar. It was more just a little bit more tag back and forth. Uh, great to see Asuka and Kairi Sane actually in ring and actually, you know, competing, uh, which was nice to actually behold um with um with uh these two teams going at it though it was kind of weird because the crowd i couldn't tell who was babyface and who was heel it was very strange like there was a lot of times where the kabuki warriors were getting booed but then alexa bliss and nikki cross were doing like heelish tactics it was a strange thing where i couldn't really tell who was who but it didn't really matter uh because at the end we end up getting new tag team champions oh yeah that's right the kabuki warriors won and beat alexa bliss and nikki cross in a manner that i didn't expect coming nikki cross was checking on alexa bliss outside the ringside came back in to take on asuka and asuka sprayed green mist into her face yeah, that's right. She sprayed green mist into her face, shades of Tajiri and the legendary Great Muda, to, and then a roundhouse kick to get the win here. So I don't know if this means the Kabuki Warriors are tag team champions, but what it does mean for me anyway is makes me predict that maybe this might be the end of the Alexa Bliss Nikki Cross tag team tandem. I mean, we all kind of figured they were going to split up at some point and maybe even have a rivalry against each other, but I think maybe because that looming draft coming up makes me think otherwise that Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss are kaputskis as far as that goes. But the Kabuki Warriors, your new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. So that makes four, four tag team champions we've had since the inceptions of the championship. Again, and I'm going to be very repetitive here, nothing to write home about, but still kind of fun either way. Six-man tag team action is up next as the OC, AJ Styles, the U.S. champion, Anderson and Gallows, challenge Braun Strowman and the Viking Raiders, a team of so much machismo testosterone, I don't even want to go anywhere near it. This one was very quick. It was a couple of quick tags here. Of course, uh, Roe was ended up being the guy who got kind of isolated, and then, of course, the hot tag to Strowman, and everything went to shit, <laughs> uh, meaning that basically he just ran over all the comp competition. Gallows tries a super kick. We see everybody getting in their moves in. Uh, we see, of course, of course, uh, uh, Styles trying to go for a calf killer, but of course, uh, he, he goes gets back up. Anderson hits a chop block, Gallo super kicks, and then all of a sudden, the OC just does a three-on-one assault on Braun Strowman, and the referee rings the bell by for disqualification in an appropriate manner. Of course, it doesn't take long as the post-match brawl continues. Both Raiders take flight. They fly out to the outside. Strowman uh, puts Styles in the corner, but AJ springboards and gets knocked out mid-air by a punch. And I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit about this because you know where this is going. Of course, Strowman is going to be challenging that boxer on Monday Night Raw. Uh, and so we're going to be seeing him probably utilized a lot more frequently in showcasing his abilities to get these hands. So really no shock and surprise on that one. But hold things tight, folks. We're going to take one more little break and we'll be right back to continue the rest of this Hell in a Cell review. So up next as we continue things in this intriguing Hell in a Cell pay-per-view is, of course, the, uh, <laughs> well, interesting matchup that features featured uh, King Corbin versus Chad Gable. Of course, we do see uh, throughout the whole uh, evening that we see some more shenanigans with the 24-7 championship as apparently Tamina had won the title off screen. At least I missed it completely. Later on, we see before the women's match, the SmackDown Women's Championship match, that uh, Tamina ends up losing it back to R-Truth of all people. So now I believe R-Truth is now a 20-time 24-7 champion. Absolutely weird. But we see King Corbin in a rematch against Chad Gable. This one was another fun 
fun one. It was very similar to the Mustafa Ali Randy Orton match where, okay, there's a little bit more build to this. Obviously, there's a lot more history, but Chad Gable getting a huge victory via schoolboy pinfall. And I've been really enjoying Gable and Corbin's matches. Now, again, the short jokes come up. Corbin does a little bit of a, you know, short joke uh, right before the matchup. But again, it really showcased, I think, the the how good the abilities are of Baron Corbin and Chad Gable. And like I said before, the King of the Ring tournament has really turned me on to, to Baron Corbin in terms of how good he is in the ring. So, uh, hey, no complaints whatsoever on my end, you know. Gable with a much-needed victory, in my opinion. Although it didn't take long backstage later on after the show or after the matchup. We see Gable kind of, like, you know, chalking it up with Caleb Roxton saying he doesn't have to, uh, you know, he's a big smile on his face. And Corbin doesn't really take too kind of that, uh, ultimately wiping out Chad Gable pretty easily backstage so gable with the win but unfortunately doesn't get the cock of the walk at the end of the at the end of the evening we end up getting the uh, semi-main event, Bailey versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, this one was a bit fun. I, I, it's going to sound very repetitive, but these matches were kind of middle of the road because they weren't anything, again, too special, but at the same time were uh, interesting to watch. Charlotte definitely playing more of a heel character here uh, with her like just constantly going to town on Bailey's knee, which would ultimately be her undoing as we see Charlotte Flair hitting the figure eight and, and actually making Bailey submit in order to become a now 10 time SmackDown Women's Champion. Unbelievable. Although they do this weird thing afterwards where basically Bailey is being shown like crying or like kind of throwing a temper tantrum. I thought maybe there was going to be some sort of indication that maybe Bailey was doing something after one, but I mean, I just, it was just, um, well, it didn't really happen. So uh, maybe a little showcases on either Raw or SmackDown next week, but that was really all there was to it. And I'm not going to really go into much detail about the Hell in a Cell match between Bray and Seth because I think you guys generally got the gist of my idea at the beginning of this review. But if you want more, I hated the ending of this pay-per-view. I hated the ending of this match. I thought that Seth versus Bray was decent, especially I was surprised that Bray was um, being casted as almost like an immortal type almost, but uh, not really selling a whole lot. But then the ending, see the aforementioned rant. Overall, Hell in the Cell was a, a huge letdown. The lack of build going into it really didn't help it at all. The ending of it really was horrible at the end of the day. And uh, unfortunately, I have to take a little bit of a break just to give you my thoughts on it. Just hold that thought right back. So yeah, overall, Hell in a Cell was not that great. It was a combination of both the lack of build and entry going into most of the matches and then the complete and total BS ending. In fact, Mick Foley just tweeted this out literally about a half an hour ago saying, so maybe Hell in a Cell shouldn't end in a DQ, but I do love the new layers of the match added to the Fiend character. I mean, yeah, who doesn't? And, you know, here we go. Stone Cold, uh, uh, sorry, somebody else mentioning Hell in a Cell ends in a DQ back-to-back -back years. Hell in a Cell can end in a DQ. Tell that to Mick Foley. There were things about the Hell in a Cell match I did like. I actually did like the red glowing light throughout the match, but other than that, that was pretty much the gist of it. And honestly, with the of this, I give this the pay-per-view a horrible 4 out of 10. It's not the worst pay-per-view I've ever seen. That still reserves, but I mean, there was just a lot going against this pay-per-view. That's for damn sure. But that's just my opinion, guys. I want to hear what you guys have to say. What do you think of this interesting pay-per-view? Let me know your thoughts, guys, down in the comment section. Hit me up on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Let me know. Hit me up on Patreon, the Represent Store, and of course, check us out on all major podcasting platforms. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care, and as always... Take it easy.